Hello, everyone, and welcome back to It's All Geek to Me, a podcast where we discuss anything and everything geek-related. I'm Trey. And I'm Tim. Join us as we take a headfirst dive into the newest adventure that Marvel has. We are throwing some spells and exploring the strange world of the MCU. Oh, but I could have... Oh, dang it. Oh, that's, the, that's, the wrong, that's the wrong magic. Dang. It's all geek to me. If it's a comic book or a comic movie, it's all geek to me. If it's some sort of game or a show on TV, it's all geek to me. If it's a play or ballet, I agree. If it's a kind of sword, a beach, or a tree, it's all. It's just all geek to me. All right. Take too. Um, we apologize for last week. Uh, we ran into some technical difficulties and we had this whole lineup of Dr. Strange for you and we had to nix it. So we're going to try this again. We're going to talk about Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. Uh, this is now actually pretty cool because the first time we did this, we had both watched it only once, but we have now both seen it twice. So we kind of have a little bit of a different take than the first time we saw it. Yeah, that's very true. And I, w- I want to apologize. I had a problem with my microphone the first time we recorded this. And <sighs> that is user error. And I promise to try to be better. Future Trey here. And I apologize also for my audio. Seems like we just cannot catch a break with Doctor Strange. Uh, as you can tell, my audio is a little bit better. That was also user error. So I hope you still enjoyed the podcast. Know that we're fixing this and enjoyed the rest of the show. But yeah, like Trey was saying, we have now seen it twice. And we both have some different views on our, the, our first take between then and now. And we've also talked to a little bit more people about it and had some more conversations and I think that's opened some doors and opened some thoughts that we didn't have the first time around. But I will I will say, before we get any further, this is a spoiler warning. We're going to be getting into pretty in-depth into Multiverse of Madness. So if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want any spoilers, I do think this is a really good film to go into without knowing what's going to happen. And so if you don't want any spoilers, stop listening now, pause it, take a break, go watch the movie and then immediately come back and listen to it as soon as you're out of the movie theater. All right, you have been warned. And I'll also put another warning there. If you haven't caught up on the MCU, so we're talking WandaVision, we're talking Moon Knight, we're talking all of these Marvel TV shows, I would also put a spoiler warning there. I'm not entirely sure what direction we're going to go in this conversation, but if you don't want to be spoiled at all, Come back to this when you are all caught up on the Marvel Universe. That's a good warning right there. We generally tend to go on some rabbit trails and tangents on random things. So, yeah. Speaking of rabbit holes, let's go down one right now with the multiverse. Just in general, multiverse, what do you think of it so far? We've seen it in Loki. We've seen it in WandaVision. We've seen it in Doctor Strange now. uh, Spider-Man. Seems like this is a very 
popular and important thing going forward. Yeah, I I think it's interesting. Um, I think I I know we we saw some you saw something, but we couldn't find it to really talk about it in detail. But we've seen very different multiverses in the three different areas we've seen multiverses in. And like Spider-Man, each of those universes were very different, different looking Peter Parkers, all these different things were different in the storyline. Doctor Strange, all the Doctor Stranges, all the Wandas, all the Mordos looked exactly the same, had very similar arcs, a couple different points, but they were all pretty much the same. And then we have Loki, where we have all these different variants. We have a female Loki. We have a pig Loki. We have a crocodile Loki. We have all these different Lokis that look extremely different. And so I would love a explanation from Marvel and the MCU kind of explaining the vast differences in these multiverses. And it might just be that the multiverse is, you know, like I just said, it's the multiverse. And in that, there's an infinite possibility, infinite different possibilities in each of these universes. So you're going to get universes that are similar. You're going to get universes that are vastly different. You're going to get universes that are slightly different. There's a paint universe, apparently. And so it might just be that, but I'd love a little explanation from, from the people at Disney. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is something that the comic books have been doing for a while. Like this is silver age if not golden age of comics even dc has their own multiverse and i don't think they call it the multiverse they call it something else i forget what they call it infinite earths yeah i think so different earths yeah so i think it's like more Uh, like different dimensions and things like that instead of like universes it's dimensions but i'm not sure yeah and i know a lot of fans including myself has been very excited for this era of Marvel movies because the multiverse brings so many possibilities as we've already seen. And I want to try to explain what I saw as kind of a theory behind all this. And the comic books kind of do this as well. There's really two different types. There's a third that I saw, but I can't remember the third, but these two kind of encompass the multiverse of Marvel. There are, parallel universes parallel dimensions and then there's completely alternate dimensions and you can have a mix between those and i think that's what the third one was trying to entail is that you can have a mix between an alternate parallel universe or you can have them completely separate and what i mean by that if we look at loki loki really focused on there are different versions there's a kid loki there's an adult loki there's a comic loki there's a crocodile loki There's Sylvie, who is a female Loki, yet they're all the same character in their own universes. That would be known as an alternate dimension, an alternate universe where all of these people did not have the exact same really walk of life at all. It's not like one small change in the sacred timeline made them who they are. It's more of this whole universe started out differently. And we can see that in the Marvel comics with Peter Porkor, uh, thinking like into the Spider-Verse uh, or the noir universe where all of these characters we know are now the black and white noir kind of film era. 
Those are alternate dimensions. So that would be like in Multiverse of Madness, the paint universe is an alternate universe where everyone's made of paint. Correct. Okay. And then the parallel universe is kind of what we saw in, I would probably say, what if? What if is the best um, kind of representation of this because every episode talks about one small change in the sacred timeline. There is one detail that completely changed the outcome. So we're not talking about the future, but one specific point in time. And that's what Loki kind of touches on too with all these different timelines. If you change one thing, it's going to split. And those are parallel universes. And typically, if we have a parallel universe off of a sacred timeline, you're going to get the same type of person. So in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, we see... Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda in two timelines. We see Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange in four timelines. And we're not seeing different actors portray them because these are parallel universes. One thing may have changed. And then on top of that, if you mix them all together, you can have parallel alternate. So Dr. Strange in this movie, there's one where he actually dies because he gets a hold of Darkhold in order to um, defeat Thanos. Well, the Illuminati is there too. So that's not just one small detail that changed. There was multiple. So that would have been kind of a alternate parallel. Interesting. And by the way, great explanation. I tracked along with you. Even though it was all from memory from a, a short article that you read and you couldn't find again, well done, my friend. It was a great job. And this is all a theory. I don't know if I fully believe this. I kind of just think the multiverse is, it is that. Yeah. It's where there's hundreds and thousands of just different versions of the characters we know. Some of them may have the same face. Some may not. Yeah. And it's probably and a, I a think, spectrum. Like there's oh, hundreds yeah. of thousands upon hundreds of thousands upon hundreds of thousands some are going to be extremely similar with one detail changing, like Tony Stark never became Iron Man. Or some are going to be extremely different, like Tony Stark never existed. And everything in between, and then including more than that, like there's going to be such a variety and it's, it's going to be a spectrum of what we know and what's unfamiliar. And that's like you're saying, that's the multiverse. It's just hundreds upon thousands upon thousands of differences. Exactly. And I think what it boils down to is just what is Marvel trying to tell in their story? Loki really needed to show that Loki, no matter what, has the same heart, no matter what universe he's in, even if he looks different. Um, Multiverse of Madness was really kind of showing the opposite of Doctor Strange is not the same person across all these multiverses. And I think one of the best explanations of multiverse that I can think of just kind of going along those lines is everything everywhere all at once. If you have not seen that movie, it's phenomenal. It's not my favorite movie in the world. It has some really good ratings, but it explains the multiverse as a way of you are in the center of this bubble. And the further out you get in the bubble, the more different your multiversal self is. So if you go thousands of bubbles away from that center one of yours, you could look completely different. You could have a completely different life. At one point, they show that they were rocks in one universe. 
So that's kind of how I view Marvel Multiverse 2. I think it was a really cool explanation. That is a very awesome explanation. That's really cool. But going into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which revolved around the multiverse, what's your initial thoughts on the movie? Or I should say, what are your second thoughts? (laughs) Well, my first initial thoughts when I walked out of the theater the first time was that I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good film. I I laughed. I had some moments where I was like, oh, dang, this is crazy. I really enjoyed the, the horror elements that um, Sam Raimi brought in. It was great, and I really enjoyed that. My second viewing, I still enjoyed it, but I don't think I enjoyed it quite as much. And I, I might have noticed some things that I didn't notice before. There were definitely some moments that I was like, oh, that I didn't notice that last time. That's kind of cool. But I didn't I didn't quite enjoy it as much. And so yeah, I was I, I don't think this is ever gonna be one of my favorite, you know, movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um it's definitely not my favorite in this phase so far. I think as of right now, it's top three. Um, I think we've had, what, five films come out? Uh, Eternals, wow. Spider-Man No Way Home, Shang-Chi, Multiverse of Madness, Black Widow, right? And then all the TV shows. Okay. Just movies, it's my third out of five. Because I think okay. I, I, I can see that. I think my order as of right now is No Way Home, Shang-Chi, Multiverse of Madness, Black Widow, Eternals. Is my in that order one through five, um, and I think it's holding solid there. It might have been, I think it might have been second, my first viewing, but now my second viewing, I think I dropped it down to third. Okay, yeah, I kind of had the same where my initial viewing was much higher. Um, I did enjoy it, I still enjoy it, but there was clear points in the movie that I feel like you could tell that the there were reshoots done and that there were things kind of shoehorned in. Um, and on top of that, the CGI is not the best CGI we've ever had. No, it's um, not. Visually, it's amazing. But the first act with the giant octopus, when they're being held by the octopus, it's kind of clunky. And it was, it was a little weird. It kind of drew me out of it. But... The story I really did enjoy. It's one of my favorite character arcs that we've seen in Marvel currently. Um, And that might just be be because I kind of almost, I won't say relate to Doctor Strange because I really don't. (laughs) It's more of the kind of letting go and the I want to be in control of things aspect of Doctor Strange that I do relate to. Mm. And this arc that he went through along with Wanda I really did enjoy. And so I think that keeps it up there a little bit. But overall, first, third act, I felt was phenomenal. Second act was a little bit clunky to me. It didn't really mesh well with the movie. I would have to agree with that. Um, And I think this actually transitions us really well into kind of talking about the arcs um, of the movie. And I do agree with what you're saying about Doctor Strange's arc and letting go and kind of his, his... overarching arc that we saw start in the first Doctor Strange movie which is his hubris and his pride and that being 
a problem for him and how he's always needs to be the one in control. It's he's the best. He needs to do it. There's no one better than him. And he knows that, you know, and I thought that really continued here with, you know, you see that in so many of the different Doctor Stranges, you know, Defender Strange, who we start off with his hubris of, oh, I can save this girl. Oh, I can't. But I, okay, I can take her power and I can, that will be me saving her, you know, or saving the world. And so he starts to steal her power. Then our Doctor Strange, he's just arrogant and prideful. And then the Doctor Strange that is in, I think it's 6-1, no, not 6-1, uh, 813, Universe 813 with the Illuminati. His arrogance of doing it his own way and not banding together with, with the other heroes and going to the dark hold and all of that, his pride there. And so it's it was cool to see that arc continue with his hubris and his pride. I I will say, I go back and forth on Wanda's arc on whether I enjoy it or not. Because I feel like I, okay. I do enjoy it. And I like the aspects of it because I feel like in some ways it's a great transition from WandaVision into this movie because she has the Darkhold. And I think you have to rely a lot on the Darkhold to and read in between the lines to make her arc make sense in this movie. Because she got the Darkhold at the end of, end of WandaVision and it's corrupted her and it has driven her almost to delusions that her children that never existed, she needs to find them again. And you rely a lot on the dark hold and the idea that it's deluded her and made her kind of delusional for her arc to make sense. But they never fully say that in the movie. They just say, oh, the dark hold corrupts everything it touches. But that's really it they talk, talk about. And so they don't mention that it could drive you, you know, you to delusions and things like that. And ever progressing. And so you kind of have to read between the lines for her to have her arc make sense in between that, those two points, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that. Um, it's something that I, I kind of struggle with the first time watching it. I think the second time I kind of solidified that it really was that dark hold mm -hmm. that kind of took, took a hold of her. And I saw this, other theory. I'm not sure which one I really believe. Actually, I do. Where um, Charles Xavier, when he actually looks into her mind, he he opens a door and he finds her in the rubble. Now, there's two theories with this. The one that I saw was it was to show Wanda was separate from Scarlet Witch. Oh, interesting. Where the Scarlet Witch was the dark hold holding her and using the powers where Wanda was deep in her subconscious. And he was trying to pull her free from that. The other one that I saw, which I believe is that he was actually trying to pull the eight one threes Wanda out of our six one six Wanda's grasp. That's what I, that's what I, when I saw the movie, that's what I thought it was. And that's what I believed. So I still think that Wanda was there. She was conscious the whole time, knowing what she was doing. But I do think the dark hold clouded her mind on what she was doing. And it wasn't until she saw her kids freaked out, screaming, thinking she was a monster, that she realized what the dark hold was doing to her, which is why she destroyed it. But when it came to Doctor Strange in his arc, I, I think we have to add one more element, which they kind of 
it was so subtle that it wasn't until the second viewing that I noticed this. His arc is all about letting go of his hubris and pride, but it's way more than that. It's letting go of his fear. So he talks about in the movie very briefly that he had a sister and that he could not save his sister. And that terrified him. They don't talk about it. And I think that was the initial part that I was like, oh, there's more to this Doctor Strange that we don't know because he he holds everything in. And then later on, we see uh, when he talks about being happy and letting go of fear and all that, that was one of the things he was all afraid of was he talked to this, uh, I think it was the 813 Christine, where it's like, the reason I don't let go is I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. I'm scared. And I think that is one of the major arcs that gets glossed over because, yeah, he can do it. He knows he can do it. But he doesn't do it because he knows he can. He does it because he's terrified that if he doesn't, someone's going to die. That's a really good point. And I feel like we kind of lose that in that that kind of choppy second act. Because um, you really do. It really solidifies it and brings it home in the third act. But I feel like it almost it doesn't touch on the fear until the third act. And... I feel like we kind of like miss some points in that. And so I do, I do really enjoy that aspect of that fear and having to let go of that fear and moving forward and not just not being afraid, but just pushing on. Um, but they don't really talk about it until the third act, which I feel exactly. like is a missed but opportunity. I, I do think that is so integrated in this movie because it's, it's a foil to Wanda. So Doctor Strange and Wanda have the same arc, essentially. They both need to let go of their control on things. Doctor Strange, due to the fear and the the pride he has in his powers, but Wanda, because she realizes what she's doing is wrong and she is being selfish. And the foils that they have there, I think, are very well done, especially through the use of dreamwalking. So Dr. Strange is very much like, hey, I do things only when it's the only possible way to go about it. And yet Wanda's like, well, when I do that, I'm the villain. And it's this almost uh, hypocrisy between the two. And they mention it in the third act once again, where Dr. Strange dreamwalks, breaks all the laws of reality. Not only dreamwalks, but yeah, dreamwalks into a dead corpse. And immediately when he walks up to Wanda, she's like, you hypocrite. You told me not to do that. And now look, what are you doing? And it's one of those points that I sat there thinking, oh, wow, like Dr. Strange is really not a good character. Like he is breaking everything, every rule he's ever said in order to do what he thinks is right. And every character around him is telling him, yeah, this is the right thing. But why are you doing it? We told you not to. Yeah. Oh, thought that was a really cool thing that they brought up in this movie. Yeah, I like that. I like the the hypocrisy there cuz I mean it's true. Like even in the first movie with Mordo, like the entire time it's talking about, you know, how it's bad to drop power from the dark dimension. It's bad to do that. But the ancient one does it, you know, to help protect everything and help protect her people. 
and then you can't break the laws, you know, sacred time, you know, laws and everything and with a time stone. And then Doctor Strange does that to, you know, save the day and creates an infinite time loop. And then in this movie, you know, oh, dreamwalking is bad. Using the dark holds bad. Eh, I'm going to use it to save the day, you know. And so I feel like that's kind of an overarching theme we get with with Doctor Strange. The fact that he breaks those rules and breaks, you know, is a little bit of a hypocrite to save the day. Yeah, kind of like kind of like he's above the rules. Yeah. And I think the yeah. difference is, like you were saying, Wanda uses it just to use it. But Doctor Strange uses it when there's literally no other option left. Like there are no right. other options. I think a good point to bring up with him breaking the rules, though, is every time he does there are consequences every single time. That's true. So like the first time when he broke it with the time stone, he one just made Mordo his arch enemy. Like he's out there taking powers away from people, but he broke the reality and fabric of time. And I do think that may, may have been like one of those initial points that we start seeing in Loki and seeing things in that. And then on top of that, when we get to this one and he dream walks into a dead body and the souls of the damned are like trying to grab at him, like telling him like, you're not allowed to do this. He then wakes up with the third eye. Like there are consequences yeah. and something he did. And I do think this could either be from the first movie because we see the dark dimension in the post credit scene. We see Clea come saying you cause an incursion. You're going to fix it. That could either be from him using the time stone or it could be something he did in the multiverse of madness. We don't know yet. Or a different Doctor Strange. But we Strange. do know. Or, di or a different Doctor Strange. Regardless of which one it was. He did something and there's consequences. Yeah. Yeah. The bill always comes due, as Mordo would say. Um, which, speaking of Mordo... I wish we had the original Mordo in this movie. I think we will. I, I'm I'm still I'm holding out hope that I don't think he's gonna be the villain for Doctor Strange three, but I'm thinking for Doctor Strange four, he will be the villain. I'm hoping. If they continue the the trend they're kind of starting with four movies a per person. Um I think we'll see him then though. I think that'd be a great way to conclude Doctor Strange's story and have it conclude with Mordo, the first person to welcome to Kamataj, you know, his first friend, his first ally being his enemy and his final enemy. You know, I think that'd be a great conclusion to his story. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I do. I am surprised that it took us a while to get a second Doctor Strange. Like we've seen them in multiple Marvel movies, but wow. Uh, forgot how much I enjoyed the the cinematography that comes with Doctor Strange and the weird and wackiness. Yeah. Yeah, like I totally agree. It took a long time to get it to get us here, but it was worth the wait. It was a it's a fun movie. It's a it's a good time. I will say there is one you kind of mentioned this earlier, the idea of Mordo stealing people's powers. And I didn't think of it until this movie with how easy it is to just take someone's abilities. Like, that's kind of the whole premise of this movie that Scarlet Witch is trying to take America Chavez's powers. And multiple times we see 
Doctor Strange or like even Wong suggested Doctor Strange take America Chavez's powers. And, you know, it's like, and then now, like, you know, Mordo's been out there stealing sorcerer's powers. It's like, I never realized how easy it is for a magic user to just be like, oh, your power's mine now. Thank you. You know, and just like take their powers. Yeah. I'm not. It, it does make me think because at first I was like, well, it's the witchcraft. Scarlet Witch is this powerful uh, witch that she can take it. But then I was like, well, yeah, Doctor Strange was going to. So he would have had to be powerful. But with Mordo, if I remember correctly, I don't think he's actually stealing power. I think he's cutting off their ability to channel into that power because his whole idea is like there are too many sorcerers about. There's too many people breaking the rules. So he just wants to cut them off from that source. That's true. That makes sense. Um, But it wouldn't surprise me if later down he's like, well, if they're not going to have it, I'll just take it. Yeah. So which kind of brings me back to my point. I'm surprised it's so easy. Just for everyone to be like, oh, your power's mine. Your power's mine. You know? Like, I'm surprised there's not more people running around, like, with so much more power because they're just stealing a ton of people's powers. You know? And, like, then it brings me the question of, like, you have, like, superheroes, you know, and superpowered abilities. Like, um, in Avengers Age of Ultron, you have the twins, Wanda and Petro. Petro? Uh, Pietro. Pietro. Um, could Doctor Strange or somebody walk up with, you know, maybe magic abilities and take Pietro's power and his speed? And that guy is mine now. Thanks. So many questions. So many questions that I don't think we'll get answered until the X-Men come in, to be honest, because Scarlet Witch is technically an X-Men. Technically a mutant. That's right. And... With Charles Xavier now in one of the universes, I won't be surprised if this is how they're retconning X-Men and and mutants, is that they're here, but their powers are just dormant until now. Mm. Um, And at the same time, it's kind of like, well, can you take another mutant's powers? We know Rogue has the ability to do that. Yeah, but she doesn't like take it. She just like borrows it. She can if she holds on long enough. That's right. That's true. Um, however, with like what we have right now, it makes me think more of it has to be magic based. Because if we look at everyone else, Captain America really doesn't have any powers. That was a super soldier serum. Yeah. Uh, Iron Man just has a suit. Thor is a, a literal god, so you can't really take his power. Watch me. Uh, I'll do it. <laughs> Put me in a room with Thor and I'll take his powers. Go ahead, wield the hammer. <laughs> I'm worthy. What can I say, man? I'm worthy to wield it. So I, I think it is easy in this world, but I think it's easy only if it's magic-based or mystic arts-based. That makes sense. That does make sense. But going back to the movie itself, there is something I do want to mention because I love this director. What a directorial debut in a Marvel movie. Oh, Sam Raimi killed it. Did a great job. Oh my gosh. And you can Sam definitely Raimi. feel Oof. that this movie is extremely different in so many ways to every other Marvel movie. Like it doesn't oh, feel like a Marvel movie. That's how different it is. But I think it was a nice fresh taste of difference, you know? Like 
I feel like a lot of us, we're, we're now in phase four of Marvel movies, right? And we have had almost 30 movies, not including TV shows, of, you know, a similar, similar formula of things and a similar feel. And, you know, it definitely every time you will go into a Marvel, you're like, man, this feels like a Marvel movie. This is the first film in all almost 30 films that feels vastly different than all the other ones. Yeah, and I think that, once again, it has to go towards um, Sam Raimi and his directorial style. Um, he is known for, well, the Spider-Man trilogy, but he's also known for um, Evil Dead, and which is, once again, why he has Bruce Campbell in all of his movies, which I loved his Pizza Man, Bruce Campbell role he had. Oh, I like him a lot. He's um, great. But it's this horror and kind of suspense type of directing where you have a lot of zoom in and then transition or zoom out transitions or kind of angles in a way that is very unique to Sam Raimi and works very well in this movie, especially with Wanda, which credit to Marvel execs for making Wanda an actual villain and the main villain of this movie. Was not expecting that. Was thinking more of like, oh, that's a twist. It's going to be like Nightmare or someone. I thought going and into it that, it was that all the trailers showing Wanda kind of, you know, going to that darker path was a red herring. I thought we'd have her same. be the evil person for like the first arc, you know, or the first, you know, half. And then it would be like, oh, it was really this person manipulating everything the entire time. But it wasn't. It was Wanda the entire time and props to them for committing to it and props to elizabeth olsen for absolutely killing the evil villain vibe like oh she did great oh yeah it was i did not have or i had doubt she was the main villain even when they revealed it so when they were at the the field i was like oh then she never said he never said america chavez's name yeah how did she know it was like oh no is she actually the villain and even when she revealed herself in the dark hole i was like nah Nah, this is a twist. Nope. And then even when she went to Kamataj, I was like, nah, nope, nah. nope. <laughs> even when she killed so many people and destroyed Kamataj, it was like, nah, nope. nope. <laughs> it wasn't until probably the freakiest part of the movie where she's like crawling out of the, uh, the mirror or the gong, all like uh, exorcist style yeah, or whatnot. And like... I was like, okay, that's creepy. Yeah, you're the main villain. <laughs> yeah, it was around that point, too, that I, I committed to it, too. My first viewing. I was like, oh, crap. Wanda's the villain. Dang, they're committed to this. Oh, Okay. I don't know how I feel about this yet, but we're we're going. We're rolling with yeah. it. In all power to Kevin Feige and Sam Raimi for, for doing that. And Sam Raimi, man. This was a PG-13 Marvel movie, but could have easily been R-rated. Well, they had to wait, it too, was... to see. Because I think the first cuts was probably going to be R, and they probably changed it a little bit. A little bit. That's probably what some of the reshoots was. Um, but Sam Raimi put his style on it, and he pushed the boundaries for a Marvel movie. When Wanda started killing people at Tom- uh, Kamataj, I was like, I am in a Marvel movie still, right? <laughs> and I kept thinking that to myself as we kept going. And then finally, when we hit the second act with the Illuminati and Wanda's coming in, just destroying everyone, 
I was like, dang, this this is still a Marvel movie because the first death of all the Illuminati is Black Bolt. And his and Black head Bolt, explodes. <laughs> yeah, she gets rid of his mouth. He yells because he's freaked out and blows his head up. But I'm like, as soon as that happened, I was audibly was like, whoa, like what just happened? Yeah. And even when I was watching it with my wife, she was I remember just waiting to see what her reaction was. And immediately when it happened, the whole theater, including her, was like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I was when I saw it the first time. I was like, holy crap. And that's when I had my moment of I'm still in a Marvel movie, right? Like I'm still watching this. But yeah, that was my moment where I was like, oh, geez. And like when Captain Carter got cut in half, like I was like, oh, geez, this is they he's not holding back. He's not pulling punches at all. But yeah, it's crazy. I do hope Sam Raimi comes back for maybe another Doctor Strange movie. Um, I think it'd be really cool. He's been doing phenomenal with it. I know the reviews for this one aren't the best, but it it's a solid movie and does not deserve the ratings it's getting. I would agree with that. Yeah, wow. it's definitely it's definitely better than people are thinking. And I think the main reason people aren't liking it is because all the rumors around it. And yeah. there was a ton of rumors going into this film. And I think they probably, most of the rumors had no ground originally but somebody said oh man i heard that this person's gonna be in i heard that wolverine's gonna be in it i heard that the original fox fantastic four was gonna be in it i heard that the you know a lot of the original x-men fox x-men were gonna be in it i heard that this and this and this and this and like there were probably no basis for a lot of those things and a lot of those rumors but people just ran with it and they just it just exploded and to where all these people went into the movie thinking there was going to be so many cameos. There was going to be so many different aspects of it, so many different things that when they watched it and they were like, wait, where was, you know, the Fantastic Four, original Fantastic Four? Where was Hugh Jackman as Wolverine again? Where was, you know, this person, this person, this person, this person? There was even a rumor that Tom Cruise was going to be playing Iron Man from an alternate universe that I heard. And there were so many rumors that I think when people left, they're like, what the heck? This wasn't as good as I, you know, because of all the cameos that it was lacking. And I think that was an element. And I think the other element was, because I've talked to multiple people who are on both sides, loved it or hated it. And those that didn't care for it that much really kind of focused on the idea that this could have been over within five, ten minutes. Like the plot really was keep her safe, keep running, and then finally fight. And then Doctor Strange never fights. And I think those that enjoyed it were more focused on the character arcs and the growth of all these characters and what they were doing because yeah this movie could have easily been 10 minutes like yeah. wanda is so powerful so powerful but if dr strange just took the abilities and did all that like yeah i i don't know it's one of those i go back and forth on how much i like it and how much i didn't but I think the thing that I don't care for, and this is kind of surprising to me now that I'm thinking about it, is the second act with the Illuminati. It just doesn't fit. And it feels almost as if they just put it in there to put it in there. The um, 
there was an interview with Elizabeth Olsen and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch where Benedict Cumberbatch let it slip, or I don't know if he slipped or not, but he mentioned that the only thing that stayed the same in this entire movie was the name of the movie. Dang. And he, he was kind of joking about it, but I, I don't think it was a joke. I think the reshoots really did a lot because I have a feeling that all these rumors that were spreading about this movie, especially after Spider-Man, I think everyone was like, crap, I think we have to put a cameo in here or people aren't going to like it. And I think that's what the reshoots was. I think the reshoots were the complete second act. Where they're like, okay, let's bring the Illuminati in. Let's get all these cameos in there. Okay, people want John Krasinski. Let's put him in there as Mr. Fantastic. And it just feels out of place. It, it How should I put this? It feels natural in the way that they are telling the story. But it feels out of place where we really don't get a lot of Benedict Cumberbatch's um really arc at all or his character really there's not a lot of character growth and character development in those points uh, which i feel like the second act in a lot of movies is the big like you get a lot of the most of the character development in that in that part of the film because it intros it ton of character development in the in the middle and then it concludes at the end but this one kind of felt introed it kind of talked about it talked about talked about it not a lot of character development developed and ended in the end you know, and kind of just had that massive gap in the middle. Almost felt as if they wanted to like, oh, Scarlet Witch is the most powerful being in Marvel. Well, we can't have her kill our heroes. So let's <laughs> send her to another multiverse and have her kill all of them and show everyone how powerful she is in this huge action sequence. That's what it felt like Act 2 was all about was let's just give them something they're going to enjoy watching, which I do enjoy watching oh, that scene. That scene it's was super enjoyable. Amazing. And I do enjoy the second act as, you know, I do enjoy it as part of the film. But I do agree there's not a lot of character growth and character development in those parts. Um, And I will say, I love John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. Oh, me too. I want more, but I'm scared. so awesome. I'm I'm scared, man. I'm, I'm nervous that it could go one of two ways. We got John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic in a variant one-off multiverse of madness. However, is that all he's going to be? Is he only a variant because this is what people wanted? Or was this a tease of the new Fantastic Four movie? And it really could go either way. I'm still holding my breath on the announcement of the cast. And I don't think we're going to get the actual cast until Quantumanium. I think they're holding out to show us all four of them in Quantumanium. I would definitely agree. Um, yeah, we're not going to get anything, anything Fantastic Four related until earliest Quantumanium. Um, and I wouldn't even, I I think, I agree with you, I think they'll they'll be in there or they'll introduce it in like a post-credit scene or something for that movie. But I also wouldn't put it past them that they don't even appear. Like, we wouldn't even get to see them. Like, it just hints, you know. Um, we're going to have to see. But we kind of mentioned X-Men earlier. And I I want to say, I don't think we're going to get X-Men for a long time. Same. It's going to be quite a bit. Um, they already have a lot of things slated. I do know Kevin Feige went on a retreat because it was the big 
news that on one of the websites I, I look for, like movie news. Kevin Feige went on a retreat with all of Marvel to plan out the next 10 years worth of Marvel movies. Holy crap, that's a long time. So I guarantee within the next 10 years, we'll probably get X-Men. But that's yeah. still a while away. That's a decade. Yeah, I mean, I my initial thoughts have always been, we're going to get Fantastic Four first. A lot easier to introduce, especially with the state of the MCU currently. It's a lot easier to introduce the Fantastic Four than it is to introduce all of the X-Men. And then, I don't think we're going to get X-Men until after this phase is over. And when I say phase, I don't mean like phase four, but like we just finished the Infinity Saga. So whatever this saga is going to be dubbed, I'm hoping it's like, I'm hoping for like the multiverse saga. Um, So once the multiverse saga finishes, then in the next saga, in the third saga, I think X-Men will be introduced there in the beginning. I here's my prediction. It's kind of along the same lines as yours. I don't think it's going to be as long as the Infinity Saga was. I don't think we're getting three phases worth of setup before the oh, final I don't think thing. so either. I think it's at most two. Yeah. And with that, I think what we're setting up and what I'm going to dub this, and hopefully this will stick, is the Secret Wars Saga. So we already have a secret invasion coming with the Kree. Uh, that's going to be a TV show with... Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Which is going to be a cool TV show. And we're already setting up all of these multiverse. And even at the end of Doctor Strange, we see that an incursion happened, which incursions uh, in the comics all led up to a 2015 um, big crossover event between the Ultimate Universe and the 616 Universe, where both of these multiverses are colliding in incursion. And they're all about fighting to figure out who's going to stay. Which which of these universes is going to survive and the other one die? And what happens is a lot of these characters kind of mixed together. So it created one universe and they kept it as a 616. But some of these characters were introduced. So Miles Morales is only the ultimate Spider-Man, the ultimate universe when Peter Parker dies. Well, after the Secret Wars, he becomes integrated into the 616 universe. So what it looks like is going to happen in my prediction is all these multiversal elements and Kane the Conqueror specifically, all of them are going to lead up to a final crossover event called Secret Wars, where we're going to get an incursion. And I have a feeling that's how we're going to get the X-Men. This incursion event is actually going to either open up the doors for the mutated genes to activate or mutants are going to come from a different multiverse and integrate and be introduced. That makes sense. I like that. And I definitely agree. And I also um, thought as well that they're going to bring bringing in secret wars into this. Um, Cause I think, so like if we, uh, you know, make it an equivalent to the infinity saga, Loki was our first Avengers movie villain right i think kane the conqueror is going to be our first you know team up end of phase four villain um if he's not because i i know there are rumors that he's going to be the villain for quantumanium um, or he's going to be in that um i'm kind of hoping he isn't because i've heard rumors 
that with Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, that isn't Kane the Conqueror related to Reed Richards? He is. So he's, he's supposed grandson? to be like... It's even further than that. It's just more of ancestry. Like he is related to the Reeds. In uh, the Reed Richards. crazy way. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's a really cool element. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, but with you saying Quantumanium, he is confirmed to be in it as King of the Conqueror. Okay. But I'm with you where I think he's only going to be introduced. I don't think he's going to be the main villain. Yeah, because that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping he's introduced, and I'm hoping it's it's Kang the Conqueror from Universe 813 that we saw in Multiverse of Madness because Reed Richards died. And then now he's pissed at our universe and jumps over somehow and gets over to our universe using the quantum realm or something introduced in Quantumanium, becomes the big bad because he's pissed at all of us in our first team up movie for our current heroes. And then that ends phase four and then phase five, the end of it is secret wars. Boom. That'd be a really cool thing to introduce would be like Hang the Conqueror in Quantumanium, just like Loki was in Thor, the original Thor movie. Yes, they're the main villain, but they're going to come back. Yeah, they get away and with um, with I can't think of the name of it's not Jeffrey Wright because he plays the um, he plays the watcher in what if um, who are you thinking? Of? What is the who's the actor who plays King? Oh, man. In Loki. The one who remains. Um, oh, what's his name? Jonathan Majors. That's it. The he who remains. I would not be surprised if we start getting multiple variants of him. Because he's also supposed to be, at one point, he becomes Pharaoh in Egypt, in ancient Egypt. Really? Um, we might see him in Moon Knight season yeah. two. Um, he's not King Tut. He's like Amatut or something like that. And he oh. becomes like, he basically goes back in time, conquers Egypt, and then they crown him as Pharaoh and he calls himself Amatut. And so in history, in the Marvel history... People know about this guy, but they don't realize he's a time traveler. That's funny. That's cool. Yeah, I love him as the one, he who remains. And I'm very excited to see him in Quantumania. And I I think he's going to be a great, like you described it perfect, like Loki in Thor, where he's going to be this villain. He's going to get away somehow where the heroes win, but it's, you know, like it's left open-ended. And then he's going to come back and be even more powerful and everyone's have to team up to stop him and then that's going to trigger incur more incursions and or more you know people jumping over from different universes and things and then we're gonna get secret wars so yeah and so the other thing that kind of came off of this movie that i talked to some people about so going away from the future of the multiverse but going specific movies the new fantastic four movie still got a little bit away Maybe like two However, or three years. yeah, they just lost their director, John Watts, who directed all of the Spider-Man movies, Homecoming, Far From Home and No Way Home, has left the project. Really? I don't know if he left himself or if he was fired. However, it makes me think that he might be coming back for like the next Spider-Man movies and staying the director of Spider-Man. And one of my friends from work 
actually mentioned even before I saw Doctor Strange, what if they are giving it to another director who they know can direct phenomenal movies? I heard this. And act at the same time uh-huh. and give it to John Krasinski. I love that. I yep. Yes, yes, yes. 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 I would love that because I love his style. I love the movies he's made so far. He's a phenomenal director. I want to see more from him. Oh, yeah. And what a way to introduce him into the Marvel Universe or second introduction than as a director. And that would be phenomenal. And what I will say, and I will hold to this until this movie comes out. Please, please, please do not have Victor Von Doom as the main villain of this movie. I 100% agree. He does not need to be the main villain. We've had enough of Dr. Doom. Yes, I want Dr. Doom in here. Yes. But make him like an overall villain. Yes, yes. Of the grounded universe. Yes. I 100% agree. What, What I am expecting is not a Galactus, not a Victor Von Doom. I am expecting a Super Scroll as the main villain of Fantastic Four. Okay. Because we're already getting the Secret Invasion, kind of hopefully around the same time. So we'll start getting this. The scrolls are invading the the planet. We don't know who's who. And that would be the perfect opportunity to introduce the Fantastic Four as the people who kind of uncover the truth with the Super Scroll, who is a main villain of the Fantastic Four. That'd be great. And I 100% agree with Doctor Doom and Galactus because those, yes, those are, you know, can be Fantastic Four villains. Yes, they're tied a lot to the Fantastic Four, but they're so big and so much bigger than just the Fantastic Four that I want to see them shine on that stage of being, you know, like the Thanos and the the bigger, you know, not necessarily, you know, Thanos in that sense of like space and all that, but like the main villain team up villains, you know? I want to see that because they're such good villains and I like them. And this is my last thing because we are getting a little bit out of time. We're also on a massive rabbit trail. We are. We kind of stopped with the multiverse because I think we've said everything we wanted to with that. Um, Unless there is something else you want. There is one more thing I want to say, but I'll get to it when you finish your, uh, your thought. Well, my next thought is going to the future of Marvel for a second, but Let's go back to the multiverse. Let's uh, finish your thought, and then we can do that last. Sweet. Uh, my thought was, we talked about Wanda a lot and her motivation and her, you know, every other universe pretty much, that we at least the universes that we saw, um, she's a suburban house mom, you know, and she does have her kids and her kids exist. My question is, where the frick is Vision? We never mention Vision once in that entire film, except she says, I killed the man I love. Well, there was one where she says Viz. Does she? Uh, when Doctor when Doctor Strange asks about, uh, do you know anything about the multiverse? Oh, Viz she had, said, his, Viz theories. had his, his theories. But besides those two little moments, we never mention him. We never see him. We never... like. And I wasn't expecting to see him, but I was expecting more. Like, this is the father of her children and i had follow-up questions of like the only reason vision is exists in our universe is because ultron failed and turned evil in the universe 813 ultron obviously was a success and 
like she still had her kids where is vision in that universe how did he come to be so those are my questions well maybe he never did because technically he's not a person so he wouldn't have variants that's true so if he was never even created then maybe he just doesn't exist there. Maybe that's why we never saw him in the 813. And did she kind of do what she did in our universe, like Wanda that is, like just materialize her children using her crazy magic superpowers? Most likely. Interesting. That's fascinating. I was bummed they yeah. didn't mention him more, though. Yeah, I was hoping for that white vision we saw in WandaVision. Me too. I want more of him. I do too. And I just don't know where he's going to appear next. But that's the beauty of the Marvel Universe right now. I am excited for the future because I don't know what's happening. Oh, I have no uh, with idea. The, with the Infinity Saga, I kind of knew the comics inside and out with like the main ones, Captain America, Iron Man, Spider-Man, um, the beginning of Doctor Strange. And I kind of knew the direction they were going, especially with Thanos oh, and yeah. the Infinity we Stones. We could predict. We could predict the direction. We could yeah. predict. And I would say when we would have conversations about it, most of the time we were right. Or we t- at least talked about what actually happened, but wished it was something else when we were wrong. Yeah. And now that we're in this new phase, it's like, I have no idea where they're going. WandaVision threw me for a loop. I was like, I had no idea what was happening there until the oh, end. Yeah. Uh, Loki was a breath of fresh air. Moon Knight has been really good. It's not my favorite TV show, but it's been really nice to like kind of watch, have a refreshing take on an origin story. Yeah, I enjoyed Moon Knight, and, but it was it wasn't their best. Yeah. And even all of these movies that we're getting, we're like, okay. I can I have a general sense of the the storyline and the source material that they're using, but I have no idea what the end goal is. And I'm excited about that. It's it's been nice to be able to sit down and watch a movie and like, yep, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, I have loved Going to a Marvel movie and having no idea what's what they're going to throw at me, what they're going to bring out next, or what they're going to do. It's been so much fun. And I feel like they're at a point, too, where they have so many metaphorical you know, balls in the air, like juggling. And they're doing it so well, but they have so many different things. I have no idea which one's going to land next and which one's going to be thrown up next and which, you know, what we're going to get next and where they're going to take these characters. And like you said, the white vision, when are we going to see him next? We have no idea if what will we see him next? Probably, but there's so many things that we will have no idea when they're going to do something, when they're going to touch on something, when they're going to explore avenues they've opened up. And even now with like the Disney plus TV shows, like that creates a whole different avenue of things of like, okay, are they going to bring in the TV show characters into the movie universe? Are they going to try to keep them separate? What's going to happen? How much impact? Like, obviously, Loki had massive impact on the overarching universe. But like Moon Knight, will that have impact? What like What's going to happen there? And so I'm excited to see where they go and what they do. And I have no idea what's coming next. This kind of leads me to my last point I want to leave off on because we have one more Marvel movie coming out within the next couple months, and that's Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, I'm excited for that one. Here is my official prediction of this next movie and how it's going to affect the other Marvel universe. Okay, I'm ready for it. Thor the God Butcher, played by Christian Bale, is going to be the main villain of this. 
I do not think, like other Marvel villains, he started his run in this movie. I believe Gore the God Butcher is going to have already started his crusade because his character is all about um, the gods failed me, so I'm going to go kill them. Sweet. That's that's Gore the God Butcher's kind of arc in the comics. I think he started that crusade way back in probably phase one. And so he's been killing all these gods, and that's why we saw Guardians of the Galaxy. We saw the uh, Nowhere with the head of one yeah. of the gods, probably Gore the God Butcher, oh, uh, where we see like all these. Um, this is where I get into a little Moon Knight. Moon Knight was a little weird for me because when he goes into spoilers for Moon Knight, if you haven't watched it, when they go into the underworld or the afterlife, Tawat is the one who's guiding and judging Mark and Stephen, which is a little weird because Tawat is the goddess of fertility and uh, uh, maternity and um, kind of like along those lines. She's not supposed to be guiding people in the underworld. She's not supposed to be judging them on the scales. That's Orias. I think I said that right. And uh, Anubis. Those are the Egyptian gods there. And they mention, she mentions that, oh, these people are going to be mad because I'm doing their job and I'm doing it wrong. What if they're gone because Gore the God Butcher killed them? That would be interesting. Oh, Ugh. Or my other th- my other theory is maybe they were stone like Amut Amut uh, was. That's true. I mean, we did see um, a lot of the little uh, statues at the end when they were looking for exactly. um, Kenoshu or Kanshu, how they say in the in the show. Um, we saw a lot of those, and so because they also did they mention Ra. Was one of the avatars no. the avatar of Ra, or they did they not? They mentioned Bast, who is the actual panther god in uh, Black Panther. Black Panther. Um, and they also mentioned Bast's arch enemy as one of the avatars. That was the the um, the girl who was the avatar when they final like finished the council that went to Mark. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, she yeah. she was the avatar of the arch enemy of Bast and Conchu. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, but regardless, I think Thor: Love and Thunder is introducing this Gore the God Butcher as like he's been active for a while, and I wouldn't be surprised in this movie. Thor goes to find one of his friends for advice or something, and he's dead. I wouldn't be surprised if he does that multiple times. Yeah. Like goes and to this friend why for I advice. Think... They're dead. Goes to this friend for They're dead. Goes to this friend. They're also dead. What is going on? And that's why I think we're going to get Hercules. And we already know Zeus is going to be in here. I think we're getting the Olympian gods. Mm-hmm. Because Thor is going to be going around like, okay, there's a guy going to kill us. Like we need to help each other. And so that's my prediction there. I don't know anything about what Jane Foster is going to do because that's kind of throwing me for a loop. I'm excited. I'm so and excited. I'm ex- and I'm also excited about Valkyrie. Um, just seeing her in that throne kind of reminds me of Men in Black when she was in Men in Black. That's true. 
and I'm excited for it. Uh, I think she is a phenomenal actress, mm-hmm. and she's going to kill it as the the king of New Asgard. Oh yeah, like oh, I'm so excited for this movie, and it's already given me like Ragnarok feels, but in a very different way. Like it has like musically and all of that. It gives Ragnarok feels, but this one feels a lot more grounded and personal than Ragnarok was, and I'm excited. I'm excited because I think it's going to be a lot more about Thor and his personal journey and it's going to be good. Oh, it's going to be so good. I get goosebumps watching the trailer because Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses is the perfect song to kind of be across that whole thing because it gives you that personal feel to it. It really feels as if this is Thor's or Chris Hemsworth's last solo movie. I do not think he's coming back after this. And what I mean by that, I don't think he's going to die. He might appear in some movies every now and then, but he will not get another solo movie. This will finish his arc. Yeah, this will be his last last solo film for sure. So I'm excited. It's it's going to be good. July cannot come soon enough. Oh, it can't come. It, yeah, you're, you said it. You said it. But yeah, I think we covered a lot of material today and went on a lot of rabbit holes. But they were good. I enjoyed them. Um, please like and share this podcast with your friends, your family, your coworkers, even the people you don't like. Share it around. Write a review. Let us know what we could do better. Um, we release episodes every single Monday, the same bat time, same bat channel, except when we have technical difficulties. I'm sorry again. But yeah, it's been great. Take it away, Trey. Yeah, like you said, we had some technical technical difficulties, but you can guarantee that we'll be back at each week every Monday. Uh, thanks again for listening, because you know it's all geeked to you. Bada-kadabba!